0: Well, I want to recap briefly last week without the board. <laughs> I had a drawing board last week, but this wouldn't make a lot of sense. I know there's some people here that weren't here last week, so I want to recap a little bit to kind of bring us up to speed on what we're talking about, but uh, I know. Traditionally, uh, what I grew up hearing and what many of us grew up as the message from the churches that we would go to or that we would visit was we need to, we need to behave better, go to church, do good things, don't do bad things, and one day... When you die, you get to go to heaven. And that was the, the core message of every, every Christian or, or quote-unquote you know, church body or religion or anything like that was do this and you get this one day, was essentially. I mean, in a, in a nutshell, it was do this and then one day you get this. And so that was all I knew of Christianity, and I, did, I wasn't buying into it for 20 years until I got saved when I was 20 um, and realized that there was a lot more to it than that. Um, it was much more dynamic but also much simpler. And we talk about a simple gospel, and that's what I want to talk about, uh, that heaven is not quite as far as we think it is. Um, we we Traditionally, I would think of, I always point this way, like behind that ceiling tile somewhere way far away is heaven, and that's where God is, and I want to try real hard to get closer to him, and I want him to be closer to me, and somehow there's this separation with, with who I am, and, and he's disappointed in me all the time, and there was always this struggle of how this worked, um, and how this Holy Spirit could come and dwell in me, am I clean, am I unclean, and... All this stuff was a real struggle until I began to see things a lot clearer through Scripture that, that Christ did pay for this 2,000 years ago, that he did finish it, that it was a done deal, and that when we accept it, that in our hearts is finished. It's a finished work and evidenced by the, the Holy Spirit not being able to dwell in an, in an unclean place. So the hard thing is to convince our minds what our hearts already received, and that is that we are clean, that we are righteous. Um, it's easier for us to accept that we're not. Um, and that was basically the message of everybody that would try to preach at me was you're bad, you're wrong, which I knew completely. Well, I was bad and wrong, but, but until someone told me God loved me until someone told me that, um, he, he loved me even right where I was in the midst of my sin that he loved me. He had an unconditional love that was beyond my understanding of what I considered hustle. (laughs) You do for me. I do for you. I understood that. I understood how to hustle. I I will give you this. If you give me that, you know what I mean? A conditional love. Um, and so what we talked about last week was in the, in the Old Covenant, and I'll try to go through as quick as I, as I can. Well, before the Old Covenant, it was uh, Adam and Eve, the fall of man. We were separated, and so essentially death entered. And so we were separated, and so there was a problem. So this is kind of, if you're watching a movie, there's a problem, and then it gets resolved. So this was the problem, was there was a holy God, and then now we were unholy. We had tasted death. And then there was the whole Levitical law. We couldn't even touch anything. Death would transfer to us. There was all these crazy things that we had to do. Well, not we, the Israelites. We weren't even included in that covenant. Um, and so if you were lucky enough to be an Israelite back then, if you were lucky enough to, to be a part of that, then you could ritually sacrifice. And, and if you were a priest, you go to the Holy of Holies, and you could experience essentially heaven on earth. You could experience, um, even briefly, life like it was in Eden, in the garden. So there was this overlap of heaven and earth, and where that overlap was was the Holy of Holies. Does that make sense? And that was the tabernacle. That was the tents, and that was where the... The, that's where God dwelled was in those places. And that was the only place that you could experience heaven and earth together. And so it was like these two places had kind of overlapped and that was the only place. And we, we fast forward into Christ uh, and him dying for us and then he, he reconciled us. He was the ultimate sacrifice. He's the one that, he didn't just say, I died so that you can go to heaven one day, although we will see in its fullness, he died so that he could bring his kingdom to earth. Amen. And so there's this, this mindset change that's very difficult for us. And that's why the Bible constantly tells us to repent. And repent is another transliterated word in the English language that really means uh, metanoia, which changed the way you think. It's not just, just feel bad about your sin and then come to the altar every Sunday over and over and over and over again. It's saying change the way you see everything because now heaven has come to earth. Christ has come and he brought his kingdom with him. And that radically changes everything. You won't, you, you won't see anything the same way now that you understand kingdom. And it's true. I mean, it's true for me. It radically changes your perspective on life and relationship and everything because now we're not self-centered anymore. (laughs) Now we're not self-referential. We're not saying, okay, uh, because we talked about this last week. I had discussions with a few of my friends, and we would say, I always ask the hard questions. I like to play devil's advocate and say, okay, well, what about this? Well, what do you think about this? i would say, okay, well, why do you do things for people that make you uncomfortable? And they would say, well, okay, um, because that's, that's the right thing to do because that's what God wants us to do. Okay, well, why, though? And then they would say, "Well, we'll get some crowns in our, you know, in our. We'll get some jewels in our crown when we get to heaven, or we'll have like a higher rank." And I essentially, oh, so selfish ambition, right? And It's at the core of it that would, so that I can get, so that I can get something one day when I die and I go to heaven, so that I can get something. So it's selfish ambition. He said, "Well, that's an interesting thought." I like, "Yeah, I think it is, <laughs> because if that's the goal, if, if our only goal is to get to heaven one day, like I said before, just hold, we can hold each other a little longer when we baptize each other, and we'll just go on." Send us on our way. Why not? I mean, why are we here? That's why Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, was so popular, I think, is because we want to know what our purpose is. We want to know why we're here. If it's just so that we go to heaven, then there's a, that leaves a lot of holes for me from for now until I die physically, right? It leaves a lot of holes for me. I, I don't know what to do with these things. But the Bible clears it up pretty well, I think. So now that, that we have this this, and, and we t- I showed on the board too, everywhere Jesus went, it was like little pockets of heaven, right so everywhere he went, he brought heaven with him. So what comes with heaven is healing, right because th- there's health, and there's not sickness in heaven. What comes with heaven is the fruits of the spirit, joy, peace, all these things come from that atmosphere of heaven, and so it's uh, it, and it's, it can sound kind of kooky when you first think about it, but it 's like a uh, like an alternate dimension, another dimension, another. Remember the Beastie Boys song. All right. Anyway, so <laughs> it's like a, a a separate dimension that it's not, and that's why the Bible constantly says the the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, and every time it says it, it says it's like something different. Right? It goes through. You can go through all the all the scriptures it says, and you can Google it. I, I've done it several times. The kingdom of heaven is like this, and it tells a story. The kingdom of heaven is like this, and it tells a story. The reason why is the kingdom of heaven is not a net because one of the stories is talking about net casting. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer. It's not saying the kingdom of heaven is a farm or a farmer. He's trying to get to the core of the issue, and I believe that is relationship. I believe that the goal for the Christian is restored relationship, restored relationship with the Father, which Jesus did for us, and restored relationship with people that we couldn't have without his love that he gave us. Amen. Yeah. The, I am not talking fast. You have to listen fast. <laughs> I'm trying to slow down. Use both ears. <laughs> I've told y'all before, and I'll tell some of the new people too. I had a, I had a guy... I don't know why I talk so fast, but I talk fast. And I had a guy—it was my friend's dad—and I was talking to him on the phone. and He stopped me mid-sentence, and he said, "Son," and I said, "Yeah," and he said, "Do you hear how fast I'm talking?" I said, "Yes." He said, "That's how fast I listen. <laughs> Slow down." <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm just really excited. I had coffee, so um, it's a Louisiana thing. <laughs> it might be a Cajun thing. Squirrel. All right, so you don't know how my, my mind just took off phew, to all kinds of ridiculous Cajun jokes. All right, so <laughs> no, they mine mine are. You don't you do you're not thinking what I'm thinking. All right, so so if we establish, okay, let me see how I can get to where. Oh, I have a story. That's how I'm going to get here. I Have a story. That's how I want to get there. Okay, we we established the the old covenant. There were there were pockets, but God's. God was so good and he was so powerful that some of the, the priests even had to tie ropes to their legs when they come in just in case they, they had something they didn't, I guess, sacrifice correctly or something. They might drop dead because God was so good that it was just too powerful for them. It was like getting too close to the sun. But now when Jesus comes and, and completely reconciles our relationship, we can approach the throne with boldness. Now we can, we can come to God with boldness because of Christ. Now we don't have to be afraid, right? We don't, we don't, we don't have to look at God as though he is just waiting, and I, and I remember thinking this, like, he's like at the pearly gates tapping his feet, waiting for us to make mistakes. You know what I mean? And But that's not, I don't, I don't see that as God, because he started this all the way from the beginning. This has been his plan from the beginning. And so when we fast forward, we realize that relationship, I believe relationship is the goal. It's not just so that I can go be in a, in a better location. Right? And this is backed up in scripture about mansions and, and houses. He, he builds his mansions in our hearts. I'm, I'm not I'm not hoping that that I do well enough on this earth so that I get a mansion when I get to heaven because he's already placed a mansion in my heart. That will continue. That's why it says we get new bodies when we get to heaven. It doesn't say we get new spirits. Our spirit will continue on. Your eternal life started the moment that you accepted Christ. Supernaturally, it's the greatest miracle that could ever happen because you actually were physically born. And so when you accept eternal life, that means you were just like him and having no beginning and no end. And that will blow your mind if you really think about it. So when you accept eternal life, that continues on. I, I, I heard, uh, you know, We heard about Billy Graham's passing recently, and, and one of his quotes was similar to the one that I, I had said. I didn't even know he had said this, but it was similar to what I say about changing zip codes. He was just saying, don't believe that I've gone somewhere. I've just changed something to that effect. Changed addresses, yeah. And uh, that's great, and what's crazy about that is I've I never heard Billy Graham speak in my life. I've never even heard him speak. I mean, I knew about him. I've heard about him. He's probably influenced most of the pastors that I've heard, so he's indirectly influenced my life, but I've never heard him speak. And actually, I was looking up something this morning. I found a quote of his. Um, Well, I'll give it to you now. I'll skip right to it. Billy Graham said, The most important truth about heaven is that God will be there. No evil will ever touch us, but we will be safely in God's presence forever. The Bible says the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb, Christ, is its lamp. Think of it. In heaven, we will be with the Lord forever. That's, that's the reality that we need to see. But that reality starts now. Because there's been a deposit made in your heart. There's been a deposit of the kingdom that's been made in our hearts. Now, if relationship is the goal, the result of that, not the cause. Now, we have to get this in the correct order. The result of that will be a life a life change physically in our lives, right? Our lives will will change the way we operate, the way we react, the way we talk to people, everything, every facet, the way we parent, um, every facet of our lives will adjust to the fact that we are born again, that we're new creations, not the other way around. Because what we can do is we can flip this thing, and that's what religion does, is it flips it and says, it goes back to a covenant that you weren't even invited into anyway, is if I do this, then you do that, a conditional covenant. When... Christ came and gave us unconditional love. And so, and we've talked about this a few weeks ago, the agape love that's really only mentioned in the Bible, in the scriptures, from God, the reason it's only mentioned in the scriptures and not found in any other text, or very few other texts around, most of them we're talking about scripture, is because that kind of love didn't exist before God gave it to us. We had the other kinds of love, we're not going to go through all of them, but agape love, real God-like love, the reason that we love because he first loved us is because we couldn't love that word love in that in that phrase is agape. The reason why we couldn't love until he loved us is because we didn't have access to that kind of love. We only had the conditional kind of love. And so now that he gives us a love, we can love other people in a way that is outside of our own ability. And I'm going to give you... <laughs> I'm going to talk myself kind of up and down in this story, so bear with me. And I already talked to Tracy to make sure it was okay because <laughs> I've said things that I regretted later because she was like, I can't believe you said that. So I hope I, hope I don't go too far with this, but... This is a true story, and we just talked about this yes yesterday. We, um, I had a Jeep when we got married, and then I sold it, and then I, I bought a Jeep last year, and I have one now. And I don't like, to me, the whole purpose of a Jeep is to have the doors off and the top off and to be open air. Um, it's kind of like a big four-wheeler to ride around on the street, basically. Um, and they're fun, and it's just something particular about them that I really enjoy. And so <clears throat> I talked her into riding in the Jeep, and I didn't put the top up. Uh, yesterday, and, um, and we talked about it a little bit, and, and we had a good discussion. We went on a date. It was Tracy's birthday the other day, by the way. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. So for her, for her birthday, um, we went and watched a movie. And anyway, I don't, I don't know why I'm telling you all that. Um, the Jeep story. As we're in the Jeep, I said, this reminds me of when we first started dating, and I had my Jeep. And I never told her this before yesterday. <laughs> I, said, uh, I said, we went to my friend Matt's house, and it got late. And it was a beautiful day that day, but if anyone has had a Jeep, usually the beautiful days turn into cooler nights, and it gets kind of cold in the Jeep, and you don't have all the things. Well, at that time, I actually had a top that I had down that I could put back up. I don't even keep a top on my other one, really, on the one that I have now. But I actually had a top, but what I did was, because I was in the dating scene and I dated different people, I had a a really heavy fleece, so if a girl rode with me and she got cold, I'd say, here, wear this fleece. It's going to get cold. You need to wear this fleece to keep yourself warm, because I'm being nice. Anyway, well I started dating Tracy, um, and and I have to kinda of give you a little preface. Tracy told me up front, and I'm try to handle this as eloquently as possible. Tracy told me up front that I was not gonna I was not gonna get anywhere with her <laughs> from the from the from the start. I mean she told me right up front. And I was like, Oh okay. So we began to date and I began to get to know her as a person and, and, and we'd hang out and we'd talk and We'd go out to eat and do different things. And most of the time I had some goofy entourage with me because all my friends would just hang out with us all the time. Um, but this time it was just us. We went to my, friend's Matt, my friend Matt's house, and uh, we go to get in the Jeep, and I said, hey, it's kind of chilly. And I pulled that fleece out, and I said, you might want to put this on to keep yourself warm. <laughs> and no lie, I mean, with a straight face, she's like, no, no, I'm not. And I said, what do you mean? She's like, because you're going to put the top up. <laughs> I said, excuse me? <laughs> And I'll I'll never forget that moment, because in that moment, I really had to decide something. (laughs) And it sounds very shallow, but I was very shallow back then. But I had to decide. I really, it came in my mind, am I going to leave her here? (laughs) I'm serious. Like, I thought, I think I might bail on this relationship. Because at that time, that was an older Jeep, and it had snaps, and they were really hard to put on, and my fingers were cold. And I was thinking, hmm, how important is this relationship to me? (laughs) And I know I'm being 100% real right now. I was seriously thinking, am I going to leave her here at Matt's house and leave? Or am I going to put the top up? And I put the top up. Thank you. It was a snap decision. ba <laughs> <laughs> Doug. I like that, though. I hope my daughter like that. I mean, you know, know you're going to put the top up. Yeah. I mean, she, and she was serious, too. And I, I, it caught me off guard. I was like... What? <laughs> and, and so I did, and I put the top up. And, I, and even looking back when I was studying through this and looking at relationships, I thought, I, in that moment, I cared more f- about our relationship than what I could get out of it, not even knowing really what I was doing at the time. Hindsight, that's how I love how the Holy Spirit will bring highlights of our past, even though I didn't really fully understand what was going on then. He brought that back to me yesterday when we were talking about it. That's how cool the Holy Spirit is if you'll just listen. He'll show you things. We say, well, I can't hear God. He doesn't always audibly speak. He does. But sometimes he shows you a picture. I mean, when I was in worship, he showed me hugging Jordan. I was like, what does that mean? And then he told me. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not complicated. You just have to ask. You just have to open your ears and listen sometimes. And so when he showed me that truth, I was like, wow, that's really deep. And and over the over the next year or so, me and Tracy got to know each other. And it was a different relationship than I, that I experienced since... I was very, very young in a lot of really bad, twisted relationships that were very conditional, that weren't seeking. Because we read the, the definition of agape love, and I had been saved not long, maybe a year or two before we started dating. So I was just discovering what all of it meant, but I had it. It was crazy how I had it, and I didn't even know what it was and how to, how to use it, you know what I mean? But I think even in that moment, I think the Lord was preparing something because, I mean, Tracy is, I know I, I talk her up a lot, but, she, I mean, she is such an incredible life partner for me and such a blessing to me now, if, I, if the Lord had not humbled me in some places where I was proud or arrogant, I wouldn't have her. You know what I mean? So I think that the Lord was even working to me when I was unaware of it, even in those days because he was with me. We talk about you can't, you can't give someone $10,000 unless you have $10,000 in your pocket. Listen, when you have the Holy Spirit, when you have that peace, you have to know that you have it before you can give it away. And it took me years to understand what that meant and how to, how to actually do it but it was always with me from day one. That Holy Spirit was there from day one. And he was already operating in me in, in places. Now that I can look back, and it's like puzzle pieces put together that I didn't see that I can see now that those puzzle pieces were put together. I chased that a little bit farther than I wanted to, but there, there was a, the, the reason I told you that story is because there was a, there was a genuine caring for her over me. If that makes sense. In that moment, anyway. I've probably screwed up many times since then, even probably this week at some point. But the, at, in that moment, I remember even now thinking, I care enough about her to do something like that. And I, when I look at an unconditional love that God gives us, it's, it's that kind of love that doesn't say, what can you do for me, but what can I do for you? The, the relationship that I have with you is, is important enough for me to to make whatever sacrifice is ne- necessary, and he made the ultimate sacrifice, which was given his only son. This is what the Father did for us so that we could have a restored relationship with him, not so that you can do donuts on gold streets one day because that's what I think of because I like cars. <laughs> ben sent or not Ben, Brian sent me a a meme of something uh, with a gold street and I sent him back a Ferrari doing donuts. And I said, this is what I'm going to do when I get there <laughs> because that shows how little value gold has in heaven. They just pave streets with it <laughs> because the ultimate goal will be seeing God and, and, and being there in the presence of Christ and him and and our relationship being good, and that feeling, is is much deeper than just just things. You know what I mean? This is how heaven changes our lives now. This is the reality that heaven in our hearts brings now is that we don't just seek out things anymore. Now we cherish the relationships that we have, and we see that there's more value in those, and that that's what we need to be investing in over just things that try to make us happy. And the and the the I say twisted. It's not twisted. The cool part is that God knows what ultimately satisfies us and that's relationship. Cuz you can ask anybody on their deathbed and they're not saying I wish I had more cars or I wish I had more, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blank. They're going to say Man, I wish I I wish I had more relationships, I wish I had more people that I, I loved and that loved me. I wish I knew that kind of love. If I if I never the greatest tragedy I think is that believers, that Christians have something so great And we neglect we neglect to to two things. We neglect to accept that we have this thing, we neglect to share it because we're afraid that people won't treat it properly. Or Or we think that people will mess up. We think that people are too immature. Have any of you experienced that? This is why I think it's important when Jesus said, Let the little children come. Let them come. It's a simple gospel. He said, Look, all of the laws hang on these two. Love your neighbor. Love me. He he made complicated things simple, and what I see a lot of times, the church tries to make simple things complicated. And the reason is, I believe, ultimately, it's fear and or control. Both those things usually go hand in hand. That's a different sermon. I don't know why I'm getting off on that topic. All right, let's see. It's okay to be a happy adult. (laughs) I say this all the time because most of the adults that I saw growing up were not happy. So that picture was painted for me on how adults were to be. So when I was younger, I didn't want to grow up. I'm being serious. I didn't want to grow up. I just want to be a kid, live fast, die young. I don't want to grow up and get married and do all those things because all of the adults in my life were either abusive or... um, Angry for no, no other reason than just being angry. Um, I didn't see any peace, anything like that. And none of that, and even in the churches, I would see that too. And none of that prompted me, especially when Christians would tell me, and they would be really, really mean to me, and then they would tell me, you need to come to church. And none, that never prompted me to go, man, I want what you have. <laughs> I want to be angrier and more frustrated. None of that ever prompted me to go, I want that. And so now when I think it's okay to be a happy adult, I love to laugh. I know I cry a lot here, but really it's joy. I love to laugh. I really do love to laugh, and I joke around a lot, and and sarcasm sometimes gets me in trouble, but I love to laugh. And I think in in Matthew 13, 44, I love the Scripture. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and and hid again. And from joy, from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, I've never seen the from joy so vividly, those are two key words there, from joy. Not for it, from it. He discovered joy, and from that place, he saw how little value everything else had that he owned. It goes on later to talk about a rich man and how hard it is. He's not saying it's bad to have things. Have things, there's nothing wrong with that. But those things pale in comparison to real joy. And when you find real joy from that place, you would sell everything you have to, 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 to keep that. Thankfully, you don't have to. Christ died so that you could have it. It's one of the fruits. It's one of the fruits yep you don't have to pr- you don't have to practice to produce them you just receive and distribute you and we talk about it all the time you don't see trees you don't see trees trying real hard to produce fruit you receive it from the vine in which you're grafted <laughs> like was cut you were placed in wrapped up and now you're grown together from from that place not the branch you're just a branch sorry just a branch. From that place you produce fruit. But you have to know that you're there. <laughs> That's the thing. If we're thinking we're not there until we get until we die and go to heaven, what are you going to produce? A bunch of impatient people? <laughs> a bunch of frustrated people? That's what I saw. And I didn't I didn't understand that. It was it would like boggle my mind. Like, ah, how, where's this? There's a gap here. There's something I'm missing. And here's here's what, what I see is the, the deposit of heaven. In John 12, 24, it says. Truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now, this was Jesus talking to the disciples. They were—they didn't want him to go and die and go to the cross. It's John twelve twenty four. If you want to go, um, but uh, tell them I love them too. <laughs> tell them you. <laughs> tell them you have to plant a seed, and then it'll multiply. Have a conversation there. Um, and basically, what he was saying is, he's, he's reiterating what he says in another passage that says, It's better for me to go because if I go, then I'll send my Holy Spirit to all of you. He's saying the same thing. He's saying, You don't understand what's going on. You think I'm going to die, but I'm telling you. And the same thing we talked about last week when he said he's gonna, the, the temple will be, will be torn down, but it'll be rebuilt in three days. And they're like, You can't. It took years to build that. He was like, No, no, no. I'm talking about me, I'm the temple. Now he's saying the same thing here. It's better that I die and go into the ground because what will come out of this will be the Holy Spirit for everybody. So it, it will benefit us that Christ dies for us because after that he sends the Holy Spirit to everybody. So now that you have that deposit of heaven in your heart, you and you and you and you, you and you, not just me, not just not just the pastor, not just the priest or not just anybody, now you have it. What is it, Now what does that mean? So what does that mean? And here's here's where we go with this and this is Kind of playing devil's advocate again. So, so what am I supposed to do now? That's the big question. Well, give me, give me steps, right? Pastor Justin, tell me five ways that I can apply this to my life. And I tell you, this is one of my greatest struggles is to not do that. I'm, I'm serious because I can come up with some. I'm pretty clever. I mean, I am. I could come up with some that, that would probably help you. I think would probably make your life a little bit better. I mean, I'm not, I, don't, I don't deny that, and if you want to talk to me about it in a separate time, I'll be glad to talk about it. But I've been down that road, and I've had s- people much smarter than me explain ways that I can make my life better. But all of those were just good advice, and none of them were good news. Every, everything, I feel like, as far as big picture here, is everything's about Jesus. From the beginning to the end, it's all about Christ. And if, if we add or take anything away from that, I believe we either step right into heresy or, or we're, we're, messing, we're toying with it, we're playing with it. We're, we're stepping out of life and into religion. And we're stepping out of the reality of the kingdom of God in our hearts now and an eternity that we will see in its fullness one day that's been deposited in our heart. And I looked up, I looked up deposit and there were lots of other words, and lots of other Greek words, but essentially it was exactly what it sounds like. It's a deposit. When when you're serious about purchasing something, when you're serious about having something, when you're serious about it, you do what? You put a deposit on it. Hey, don't don't get rid of this. I want this. Like if you're buying something. And that's exactly what it means. It means that someone was serious about something that is actually going to happen. This transaction has basically already taken place. It's like a credit towards something, right? So that's when we talk about that this has been deposited in our hearts, it's like a credit that was given to us 2,000 years ago. When we accept it, it's like it's, it's, it's there. It's the reality. And we, ca- we will see it in its fullness and completely cash it in when we die a physical death and continue in the Spirit he- in heaven in its fullness. And we're going to go through 2 Corinthians. I'm going to try to go through it as quick as possible now. And I, I want to tell you this because I struggled with it because I really wanted to read all the way through because it's hard to gain a context without reading all the way through. So I want to encourage you to read all the way through when you get time because there's lots of really good things in there. But I know that I would bore myself and bore you if I read all the way through. So please don't think that I'm skipping parts so that I can try to make a point because I hate it when people do that. I'll tell you most of the points that I skip talk about uh, present-day tribulations and trials that we go through, Um, most of which we don't really go through like they did. (laughs) We say we're persecuted in America. We're not that persecuted. I mean... There are things that may be attacked as far as some things go, but we're not persecuted like they were persecuted back then. Um, but I don't, I don't t- take lightly of that. There's lots in between here that we'll talk about that, and this is what this is basically the the contrast to that. He's saying this is what you're going through, but this is what you have. This is what you're going through. This is what you have. I'm just going to read this is what you have, okay? <laughs> and I'm not trying to negate the other ones. They're there, and I'm not trying to say that they're not there. Just want to get that out. Um, <laughs> But it's easier for me to say these because these aren't as emphasized as the others are. We we like to talk about the negatives and not the positives. So anyway, with that, we're, I'll start in 2 Corinthians 4, 5, and I'll end up in 2 Corinthians 5 at some point. But I'll be kind of skipping around a little bit. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, 5 says, For for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord Our and ourselves as your servants, for, for Jesus' sake, for God who said, let light shine out of dark, darkness, made his light shine, where? In our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure. Listen to that. But we're going to have this treasure one day? No. But we have this treasure, where? In jars of clay, in tents and earthly vessels, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Okay, do we get that? We have this treasure. What treasure? His light that shines in our hearts. It's very self-explanatory. We'll jump down to verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we, we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So you're actually getting better inside. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I don't know how far I want to go with that. Okay, how. This to me goes back to some of the descriptions of the kingdom of heaven being like things. You know how we can. We can see the effects of the wind, but we can't see the wind. those kind of things going back to the the other dimension there's something that we can't see that's operating outside of what we can see. We talked about it last week. somebody brought up uh stranger things and the upside down. I used to talk about uh, the matrix th- that kind of there's there's a there's something else there's something spiritual going on that can that manifests itself physically and i and people could call us crazy they they've called Christians crazy forever they say that uh What's his name? Pence is insane because he hears from Jesus. People will say we're crazy because we hear from the Holy Spirit. That's fine. I'm okay with that. I'll be much more undignified than this. <laughs> but I believe that there are spiritual. there is a spiritual realm that we do. God, it sounds kooky when we tap into. There is something that we feel and that we tap into with this Holy Spirit that's in us that changes our perspective on things. And it's not a crazy conjuring up like we beat a drum and then he shows up. <laughs> you know what I mean? And sometimes... in Sometimes we've done that in churches where we're like, we've got to do this a certain way so that we can get God's presence when God's presence never leaves us. He's always here. Now, there may be a greater revelation of it. You may feel it at different times in different ways, but we don't trust just our feelings, do we? You can't just trust your feelings. And so there is a reality that's going on, I think, a lot closer than we think. (laughs) Not far, far away, but there's a, a heaven reality that we can essentially tap into constantly all the time. And it's like like having an an inheritance that you didn't know about. That's what I feel like Christians that don't receive this this radical truth and share this radical truth is like they have this inheritance that they've had for 10 years, and they don't ever use it. They don't ever do anything with it. It's like they don't, don't even realize that they have it. And so there's an unseen realm. He's saying, look, don't focus on what is seen but on what is unseen there's something greater going on around us that is not just based on our senses, on our, on our sight, on our hearing. There's something greater than that. You see me a lot of times close my eyes. I just get easily distracted. Most of the time it's me just trying to hear something from, something from God, essentially, that is not of me. It's not just me giving you my opinion because I've got lots of opinions. <clears throat> but the cool thing is I don't, I don't have to convince you of some kind of truth or convince you of some kind of way that I think is true. When I genuinely hear from the Holy Spirit and speak something, have y'all ever felt the Holy Spirit perk up in you and go, wow, that's good, I, I agree with that. It's not just you agreeing with something that I'm saying, it's that sympathetic resonance like we talked about with the piano on one side of the room, the piano on the other. You strike a chord and then that, that chord on the other piano vibrates to the same chord. So that, the same Holy Spirit that I have, that's what brings unity in the body. That's what, brings, that, that's what brings all of us together, even though we may worship in different styles or we may disagree on certain interpretations of Scripture, what brings unity is that we have the same Holy Spirit. That's why we have hands and feet and eyes and ears and all these parts of the greater big C church and the body that unfortunately have caused divisions instead of causing strength. I think that that oh get me preaching on this. The very thing that has caused division, I think, in the American church should be should be sustaining and building a stronger church, and that's diversity. I think there should be somebody right here speaking in tongues, and this person over here being quiet, and both receiving from the Holy Spirit. I think that there should be this person over here who likes to dance and run around, and this person over here who, who's just fine sitting here and getting just as powerful a message as that person, and this person over here interpreting this scripture a little bit different than this person, and those two loving each other and still coming together for a greater cause and loving people outside the doors of this church. Amen. Oh. Instead of dividing... Just like a family. I disagree with you, so I hate you. What sense does that make? I keep going back to to Trace and I. We disagree all the time. I'm not going to be like, you're wrong. Ketchup's much better than mayonnaise. <laughs> Whatever. I'm out of this relationship. You know what I mean? I mean, that's the sense that that, that makes, and it just breaks my heart. Because I see it. It's not... This isn't something I'm distant from. I'm friends with lots of pastors. I'm beginning to be friends with more and more pastors, and I'm seeing it more and more. And they're seeing it too. There's a lack of unity within the body of Christ that, that I believe. And I've said it from the beginning when we first started, when Trace and I first became senior pastors here at this church. I called it revival back then. I think it's going to be an awakening. And I think the awakening is going to be a, a great unity among the body of believers, and it's going to be led by the Holy Spirit, not by our own version of what church should look like. And I believe the church needs a, a great restructuring in that place. The church needs to be much more Holy Spirit led. Amen. That sounds very bold to me, but I mean, I don't know what else to say. I think, I think we, when we get caught up, and the Bible clearly warns us about leaning on man's understanding over God's, when we get more caught up in the way that we think and the way that we believe over the way that God, God has shown us and demonstrated to us in love, then we're going we're gonna to crush each other. And how are we going to bring people in? And we've got these generations coming up that are asking really good and hard questions, and we need to be answering them. All right, sorry. Went off on a tangent there. Second Corinthians 5.5 5 says, we go on, and I, sk- I skipped a couple more. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. The message version, I love this. The message version says, uh, Eugene Peterson says, the, he puts a little of heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. I love that. He places a little bit of heaven in our hearts so we'll never settle for less. This goes back to the happy adult thing. If you don't realize what you have and how good it is and how there's so much peace and joy there, I, this, I think, has been the, the whole distant separator of heaven is that we can't have, we can't see that and we can't experience that now. And so we cut ourselves off from everything the Holy Spirit has for us because we say we can't have that now because of the position that we're in as far as being still in the flesh and still in earthly, in earthly vessels. When it says clearly here, he places our spirit inside jars of clay. He, he places it in tents. And when we go to be with him, he'll give us one more tent. And he says, that'll be the final tent. You won't get any more after that and it'll be a much better tent. So thank God, because my tent's wearing out. Over time, it's this, this outside's wearing out, but what's inside is getting better and better and better. This is the reality that we have to get our minds through. We've talked about hardware and software. This is our hardware, and this is our software. As soon as you get a MacBook Pro, you open it up, and it needs a, uh, it needs a software update immediately. Boom. That's us. God gave us the hardware. It's there. The truth, the reality that we're righteous in Christ is in our hearts, and our mind needs up, software updates constantly. No, I'm not. Beep. software update. Yes, you are. <laughs> but I had this thought. That's not who you are. You're you're thinking of your old self. Stop trying to operate outside of who you are. Software update. Boom. I call them downloads. They're really uploads, I guess. I don't know. I'm not a computer person. They're <laughs> they're loads of some sort. <laughs> oh, I kill me. Two to sound like Donald Trump. 2 Corinthians 5.16. 2 Corinthians 5.16. I wrote two there. 2 Corinthians 5.16 says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Here's where the rubber meets the road. You want some pointers? I'm not going to give you much pointers. I'll let the Bible speak for itself. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. I imagine Jesus going, Thank you, finally you get it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come; the old has gone, and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ, uh, through Christ, and gave us the ministry of what reconciliation—that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them—and He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making His appeal through us. What a, re- what a revelation. Because He is. As though God is making His appeal through you. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. That's the good news. That's the good news of the gospel. This this heavenly realm that we get, this kingdom, you are now heirs and co-heirs with Christ. What does that mean? You are now sons and daughters of God. You are now heirs and co-heirs. You are now in the bloodline of God, of the Creator. You are now reconciled as if you were back in Eden again. That's what's happened in your hearts. Now, yeah, are we still figuring it out up here? Yes, we are. We're still working that. the, the realities of that, the how we work that out with other people and that kind of thing. But look at what Jesus did with that, that revelation. I'm not going go all the way back to it because we're running out of time. But when you get a chance, go to John 13. I think it's John 13, 3. It says, when, when Jesus received the power, when he received all the power of heaven and earth, when God revealed to him who he was and the power that he had, what was the first thing he did? He washed his disciples', his disciples feet. The moment that we, we understand the power that we have in the kingdom, and the reality of, of heaven in our hearts, that kind of power should result in us serving one another and loving one another, not trying to hoard it over other people and show people how good we are and how powerful we are in this great thing that we have. Do you see the difference? Do you see how Christ modeled it? When, he, when it was revealed to him the power that he had, immediately he washed us and they said, No, 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 you got this backwards. I need to be washing your feet. And he said, No, you have it backwards. You don't understand how my kingdom works. The last will become first, grace become least. You will serve one another, and this is how my kingdom works. My kingdom is like a bit of an upside down. <laughs> it really is. It, it. And the disciples continue to bicker about it. Well, who's going to be here? Who's going to be first? Who's going to be second? Same selfish ambition. He was like, no, no, no. That's not how the kingdom of God. That's not how the kingdom of God is. That's not how it works. Well, where is it? It's not about a location. What is the kingdom of God? What is heaven? It's, it's relationship. Kingdom of God is where you and God are together. That's heaven. Anywhere that is, that's heaven. If that's in our hearts, that's where heaven is, and we carry it everywhere we go. When we die, we get to continue in that place and be with God forever, in eternity. That's heaven. When we interact with people and we share the gospel, we are sharing heaven with them. We are sharing... Life with them. That's why we talk about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. When you, when you go to a party or you go to, a, and we can call them parties, it's okay. They're not just fellowships. We can party. When you go to parties <laughs> um, and you hang out with people and you share the gospel with them, what's the gospel? The good news. When you love them, when you serve them, when you build a relationship with them and you and you reveal Christ to them, you are giving them new life. You have to realize that. You're not just giving them steps to a better life. You are raising the dead. Because they are dead in their sins. So what you, the, the only thing we have to offer people, the one and only thing we have to offer people is heaven. That's it. All we have to offer people is life, is new life. Anything else is good advice, and there's, there's room for that. But there's something much more powerful, and that's, that's giving people life. That looks different to everybody. That's why we can't put that in a box. We talk about a simple gospel. We don't put God in a box because he, he's not real good at staying there. <laughs> you guys know my story. When, when I was in a charismatic church and I was seeking to fall out and speak in tongues and do all these things, nothing, nothing. What's wrong with me? Because I was making it all about me. And at the time, Tracy was going to a more traditional, calm, you know, different denomination church, and I go there being judgmental and thinking I'm better than everybody. And God lays me out in the field. Boom. (laughs) She loved me enough to stay with me. (laughs) Nobody else was doing anything like that. It was just like... And I wasn't seeking it. I was just... just, It just happened. And in that moment, God said, you don't tell me where I can move. You don't... I don't just move in those services when the music's loud or or people are are all praying together. I move wherever I want to move. And in, in, in in a moment... In a moment, it was like this radical increase of heaven in my heart. It was overwhelming, and I couldn't do anything but fall down and laugh and cry, and embarrass Tracy. <laughs> but the amazing thing is, in every step, and in, in every step of the process in my life, I can look back. I'm 40 years old now, and I can look up, look back in my life, and every step when I thought that I had it all figured out, and I had done all the right things to gain either God's favor or some anointing, or some blessing on my life, I ended up being frustrated for a long period of time. And every moment when the Lord gave me just a, a bit of a blast of how good He is was a moment when I didn't deserve any of it, and I wasn't confessing anything, and I wasn't struggling or striving or doing anything, and He just gave it to me as a gift. And I believe the reality that, that He was trying to demonstrate to me was how I should be doing it with everyone else. It's just like casting seeds. It's just like casting seeds. We don't make it grow. It says clearly in Scripture that God's, only thing, that God's the only one that makes those things grow. Our only business is to be casting those seeds and loving people. We talk about identifying other Christians by what? By love? And we've turned around and said, well, we, we identify Christians and we judge them by their fruit. Who are we to judge people by fruit? We're supposed to just be loving people and casting it out. That's up to them and the Holy Spirit. I can look at a person and see something completely different and completely misjudge a person. Has anyone done that? I can look at a person and go, I know that type. I can tell you my friend Dana was that way. When we first met, he wore a suit and tie. and He came into church every day, and I thought, I'll never, I'll never be friends with that guy. We're completely opposite. He went to college. I was a high school dropout. I had spiky hair, and I dyed it colors. and <laughs> You know what I mean? I had a sketchy background. I had all these things in my life that I struggled with, with abuse and and drugs and, and, you know, my father and all these bad things. And one day I quote Napoleon Dynamite, no lie, quote Napoleon Dynamite in the foyer, and he overhears it, and he makes his way over to me and, and starts talking to me, and we start joking around. Come to find out he grew up in the Alabama Baptist Children's Home because he had a very similar upbringing than I did with abuse and drugs and all these things. Not only that, we had similar personalities, similar, similar sense of humor, and I completely misjudged him because I was looking on the outside, not on the inside. We can't, we can't get on the surface stuff. <laughs> we have to get to the core of the issue, and the core of the issue is life and death, essentially, but is heaven in us now? I kind of went over a little bit, and I can hear babies crying, but I want to give just a brief opportunity. Does anybody have anything? We've been doing this, and I really enjoy some of the feedback. Anything to, oh, we got a mic too. We've had a hard time because I, <laughs> poor Andrew, so had to go back and try to mess with the audio because I just on a whim ask people stuff and then y'all start speaking and he's got to go back in and spend hours trying to raise the audio for the podcast. Because we send out a podcast and I get, man, I get messages from people in California and all over the place talking about how they've never heard a message like this. And I'm like, really? And so. Just raise we, your hand if you got some. Yeah, you have a question or, or comment or anything?
1: When you were holding Juju, it was so beautiful, uh, not only the love, but her feet weren't touching the floor. And it is just how uh, God carries us.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: He carries us with love through everything.
0: Yeah. I didn't think about that. It's like the footprints in the sand picture. <laughs>
1: That's right, I dragged you. <laughs>
0: Anybody else? When you were talking about how we're allowed to be happy adults, (laughs) and how we just like, you love to laugh and stuff, it's like every morning, whenever we're trying to pray with the worship team before service, we just kind of pray like, you know, thank you God for this day and for everything that we do today, and... Just giving Him the glory for what He does. But 99% of the time, it takes us forever to just start because we won't stop making jokes and cracking up, <laughs> and we can't be serious. And so usually you're like, you know, God, thank you for laughter. Yeah. And it just makes me really happy to be in an environment where we're just, we're just doing life, and we're having a fun time doing it because that's, that's what life is about. It's about yeah. enjoying it and enjoying God for forever. Well, I don't think he died to make us miserable. I mean, it seems illogical to me. <clears throat> I think it. I think Carol. Um, but it's, it is funny because we do every morning we try to get started and we laugh. And I tell you, and and I'll say this briefly too, but <clears throat> you know, I tried for twenty years to try to make myself happy in lots of different places, and and it was all sin. And we look at we look at sin in a in a different way. I look at it differently now because all of them are shortcuts. To, to try to gain something that God really had for me if I would have just trusted him. It was all trust issues. It wasn't sin issues. It was trust issues. I didn't trust that God had um, had my best interest at heart, and I didn't trust that he would give me any of, the, any of the desires of my heart, and I didn't think he wanted me to be happy. And so all of it was trust issues that I was trying to do things that only he could do, and they all, like I, I said, sin always over-promises and under-delivers, and God always keeps his promises. Yeah, Carol?
1: when I walked in this morning, I was wondering why I was thinking about this story. Um, in Mark 2, and I think it's also in Luke, uh, um, the, some friends of the paralyzed man, when they realized they couldn't even get near him because of the crowd, they went on up on top of the house and tore away the roof above Jesus' head. And when they had broken through, they lowered the paralyzed man on a stretcher right down in front of him. When Jesus saw the extent of their faith, his friends faith
0: mm-hmm.
1: he said to the paralyzed man my son your sins are now forgiven and i think that's what we are we're the friends of the paralyzed wow. and i think that's what you've been preaching about this morning is oh, that's, that's our, our job our our love is to get them to jesus
0: well we carry each other's burdens too
1: and we do that's right and uh yeah, I've heard it said that that doesn't really fit into any denomination's theology that his sins were forgiven because of his friend's faith, but uh, I think that does fit well into Jesus' theology.
0: Yeah, and let me give you this. Uh, let me give you this real quick because when you said that, it just reminded me of something that Dana posted. Just talking about Dana, <coughs> I'll give you this quote, and then we'll pray, and then we'll dismiss. But um, Dana posted. How can we bear one, one another's burdens if we pretend we don't have any? People are so afraid of vulnerability transparent, of vulnerability, ugh, vulnerability, and transparency. We'd prefer people see the ideal us rather than the real us. If you're in need, reach out to someone. If you know someone is having a hard time or facing a trial, go, go minister to them. It could save a marriage, a relationship, even a life. Authenticity is risky, but worth it. And in essence, that's what relationship is. Religion is neat. It's cut and dry. Follow these guidelines and you'll be okay. Come to church on Sundays and Wednesdays, pay your tithe, um, dress correctly or whatever, uh, read your Bible a certain amount of time, have your quiet time. Religion is neat. If we, Those are all good things. Come to church, read your Bible, pray. Those are all good things. But we pervert them when we say those are the things that you have to do to, to, to gain this relationship and that's not. The relationship is the, is the purpose and is the point and is the goal and everything out of that the, the result should be that we read more, that we pray more, and that. Because when, when people would tell me, especially even after I got saved, people would say, are you, are you reading? How much you reading? Are you, are you praying? How much you praying? And that prompted me to think, maybe it, it's, it sounds silly, but maybe I shouldn't be doing this because they're drilling me about it and maybe I don't even want to do this. Why are you drilling me about this? I should, you know, should want to do this. And I did, and I wanted to do it, and I was learning. But at the same time, we shouldn't have to push each other to do those things. That should come naturally from the Holy Spirit. That should be what we want to do. And if it's not, then we need to deal with what we want to do. <laughs> I keep saying that over and over again, but when we, when we give people freedom, we're scared that they're going to do something bad with it, but, we're, but what we're not scared of is that they won't do something good. With it. That didn't sound right. What we, what we don't realize is we don't give an opportunity to do something with it. We have to give people opportunity to do something with the freedom that they have, because if we don't give them that opportunity, then they can put on that face and no one will ever know. They can put on that mask and no one will ever know because they don't deal with their issues. When you say you're free to do what you want and you go and you do some bad things or sin, then we can address those things because we know what they are. Why do you want to do these things? And if you don't, if you say, okay, I'm free to do whatever I want, I want to please God because he's good and he loves me. I want to love people because, honestly, I feel better when I do that than when I try to please myself. And I begin to this, this great truth that only happens when you experience it. Like I always talk about it, you, you can hear from people that aren't married and don't have kids, and they'll be like, oh, I'm going to do this when I get married. I'm going to do this when I have kids, and this is going to be this way. And I always go, that's, that's cute. That's really sweet. It's really sweet that you think that, but you have no idea what you're talking about because you haven't experienced marriage, and you haven't experienced kids yet, and it's a completely different ballgame. I used to say it. Man, my car's going to be perfectly clean, you know, dash armor-all. There's not going to be food in the seat or anything like that. I used to say it. I'm serious, and I was like, I'm not going to, because I would see people like that. I'm like, that's disgusting. You, don't, you have no idea what you're talking about. The same way with Christianity. Until you enter this relationship, you don't understand what it's really like. That's why the Bible says their, their ears, and, and their, they don't see, they don't hear. Until you experience it, it's, it's, just a, it's just an idea. It's just a theology. When you experience real relationship with God, that changes everything. And when you receive from that and you live from that place, then your mind changes and your eyes change and your ears change and you see people like God sees people, and you see the potential in them, not just in their mistakes. You see how God sees them, and you hear how God hears. You go, okay, I see this person who's broken and who is making mistakes in their life, and no matter how much advice I give them, it's like a cycle, and they keep repeating it, and they keep repeating it, and you get frustrated, and you feel like you can't love them anymore, and God says, I loved you. I loved you when others gave up on you. I broke that cycle. Trace and I were talking about that the other day. We see these cycles in, in families and alcohol and alcohol and drugs and, and that should be the cycle that I'm on. It should be. I should have cheated on Tracy. I should have I should be on drugs. I should be abusive because that's the cycle that traditionally that's how it works. Statistically that's how it works. You saw this happen in, in your family, and your father, you should be that way, and on and on. And I see it. I see it in other families. It's the cycle over and over and over again and, and, and hurt and pain and hurt and pain and hurt and pain. And and we're breaking that cycle. And our kids aren't going to see that. And I want other people to break that cycle. And you, and you can't do it. You can't do it with just religion. It won't work. They have to have relationship. And it's going to take you building a relationship with them. Because they may, they may not see it anywhere else. There's no plan B. <laughs> You're it. Alright, I've preached enough. Stand up. We're way over. uh. Father, I just thank you for this day. Thank you for for patience as I ramble. (laughs) Father, I thank you for a sense of humor. I thank you for joy. I thank you for all of the fruits of the Spirit, Father, because you've given them to us as a free gift. So I just thank you that we can enjoy them. And we don't just enjoy them selfishly, but we share them with other people. We say that we're an R&D church, uh, not research and development, but receive and distribute. We receive uh, everything that you have for us. We're thankful that we can enjoy it as, it as it goes through us and we share it with everyone else. So as, as a byproduct of that, Father, you just bring so much more joy and peace to us as we give it to other people. Father, help us to see and highlight those, uh, those in our lives, whether it's a waitress at a restaurant or a family member or someone that we, we feel like we've given up on. Father, that we can, we can disagree with people and still love them. Amen. Lord, that we can, we can be frustrated and angry with people and still love them. Father, we can live outside of our own abilities and our own version of love. And we can, we can receive your agape love, your holy love, your unconditional love, and then we can distribute it to other people outside of our own abilities. So Father, we thank you for uh, your love, your peace, your grace, and everything you've given us in Jesus' name. Amen.